Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents Part 5 and the conclusion of his teaching, 2020, the Year of Forward Vision. 2020, the Year of Forward Vision, Part 5. So this will be our final message in our January series, and I've called it Walking Out the Vision. Uh, When I preached the first message of the series the last Sunday of 2019, I capped it off by saying that 2020 would be a year of looking up, a year of looking forward. Well, this morning I want to develop that concept a little more completely than I was able to before and use it as a stepping stone to talk about how we can practically walk out the vision that the Lord has given unto us, that which he's given unto us individually and that which he has given unto us collectively as a church here at Faith Life Fellowship. And I'm just letting you know ahead of time, we're going to get into a little science in this message, okay? So don't be alarmed. So I'm issuing an all-points bulletin, a nerd alert. So if you're scientifically minded like me, you're going to enjoy some of the things we talk about this morning. Amen. I want to talk about seeing the vision. One of the things we've been talking about in this series is that in order to run with a vision, you have to see the vision first. You have to see it before you can pursue it. Isn't that right? Without a vision to guide you, it's very difficult to take steps if you don't know which direction you're supposed to head. Amen? We, as the people of God, have to see the finish line, even if it's far off, even if it's beyond our ability to fully grasp We have to see it. We have to see the vision to effectively run our race for the Lord. Isn't that right? This is fundamental. Everybody knows that. Well, here's a prime example from Scripture. After giving his testimony to King Agrippa, the Apostle Paul uttered these famous words recorded in the book of Acts. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. It's one of my favorite quotes in all the Bible. You find it in Acts chapter 26 and verse 19, and that was from the King James Version because I think it's so poetic and so cool. But I'm going to read it to you in the New King James Version in its proper context and in its proper setting and give you a little bit of background to set it up. Paul and his company were headed to Damascus with orders from the chief priest to round up Christians in the city put them in prison, and even put some of them to death. Suddenly he and his company saw a great light in the heavens, and they were knocked off their feet on the road to Damascus. And the Lord appeared to Paul in a vision. So let's pick it up, Acts chapter 26. We're going to read verse 15 through 20 in the New King James Version. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Let me stop right there. Isn't it interesting that when the devil was using Paul and his company to persecute the saints of God, Jesus took it personally. You're not just persecuting my people, you're persecuting me. Amen. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes 
in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Can we say amen to that? We wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for Paul taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Amen. Now listen, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture. And beyond the fact that this was a life-changing, destiny-altering milestone in Paul's life, I want you to notice that he was called to be a witness to the things he had seen and heard from Jesus in the vision. And to the things that would be revealed to him later by Jesus as he walked out that vision step by step, day by day. Paul was given a vision for reaching the Gentile world with the gospel of Christ. And and it was a world that was completely dominated by pagan religion and worship of false gods. It was a daunting vision, but Jesus made it clear that he'd have to walk it out by faith, trusting that he would receive further guidance along the way. It's very similar to what the Lord did with Abraham. He gave Abraham a fantastic vision and promised him that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He too would have to walk out an incredible vision by faith, trusting that he would receive further guidance along the way. And as a way of emphasizing that point, the Lord commanded Abraham to symbolically walk out the vision by walking through the land that God had promised him and his descendants. Amen. So let's read Genesis 13, verse 14 through 17 in the New King James Version. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look. King James says, look up. From the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give it to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Amen. If you remember, I summarized this example of progressively walking out the vision by saying that 2020 is the year of looking up, the year of looking forward. The Lord was telling Abraham, don't just look at the steps you're taking one stride at a time, one foot at a time, but look up first and see this amazing vision. Realize its global impact Realize its enormity and see it in its totality. Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west and see the land that I have given unto you and your descendants. Amen. And after you've visualized it, after you've seen it, start walking it out. Amen. You see, the Lord knew that as he walked through the land, 
he would kick up a lot of dust. And I've said this before, but it's so cool. He knew that he would kick up a lot of dust. And every time he did, it would remind him of the word of the Lord, which said your descendants will be more than the dust that you walk on as you walk through the land. Amen. Anybody ever tried to count dust particles when a dust cloud rises up in front of you? It's not possible. Too numerous to number, too numerous to count. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your descendants will be more than the dust of the earth, too numerous to count, and they will fill this land to the north, south, east, and the west. Amen. So just like the Apostle Paul Abraham had to see the heavenly vision. He had to see it first before he could be obedient and start walking it out. Amen. You can't be obedient to a heavenly vision unless it has first been revealed to you. Amen. So it's not asking God too much to say, Lord, show me the vision for my life so I can walk it out, so I can be obedient, so I can become the person you called me to be. That is not too much to ask of the Lord. He's only too happy to do so. Amen. So I want to spend the remainder of this message this morning by developing our final vision concept. And I say it like this, 2020 is the year of walking out the vision. And I'm going to use the language of the Lord and the concepts of north, south, east, and west to open up more fully what God was saying to Abraham when he gave him this fantastic vision. And as we said at the outset, there will be a bit of science involved in this revelation. Amen. So again, I'm issuing an all-points bulletin. A nerd alert for those like me who possess a scientific mindset when it comes to the things of the Lord. So why north, south, east, and west? I know some of you have heard portions of this message before, but I believe it will benefit you to hear it again. Why north, south, east, and west? Why would the Lord invoke such familiar concepts other than to show Abraham geographically what his vision would entail? Well, as we're going to see, there's a whole lot more going on than just the geography. As it turns out, the geography of the earth is tied to the stars and to the seemingly infinite universe all around us. Okay, now that I whet your appetites, let's start with the fundamentals and go from there. North, south, east, and west are the four cardinal directions that map makers use to help us fix our position and to help us navigate from one position on the globe to another. And if you think about it, using the terms north, south, east, and west don't make any sense unless they're in the context of a globe or a spherical planet. So to my earlier point, one of the reasons God used these terms when laying out the vision for Abraham was to illustrate the global nature of the vision that God was given unto him. Not only would his seed be too numerous to count, but through these descendants, God promised that the entire planet, all the nations of the entire earth, would be blessed. A global vision indeed. 
Secondly, when we look to the north, south, east, and west, we get a picture of the infinite nature of the Creator God. How so, Brother Scott? Well, stay tuned. Listen up. By taking a closer look at north, south, east, and west, in the context of our enormous universe, we can receive divine revelation and guidance. We can fix our position in God and then navigate our way to the destination He has planned for us. And isn't it cool, isn't it interesting that the word destination has embedded within it the word destiny? It's not just a destination, it's also a transformation. God will show you, He'll give you a glimpse of glory, He'll give you a glimpse of what you can be if you follow His plan for your life. And then you have to trust Him to get you from where you are now to that place in the future. And oh, by the way, when you get there, all the obstacles you had to overcome, all the faith you had to employ, all the trouble you faced along the way molded you and shaped you into a different person. So you not only arrive at a destination, but you arrive there a different person, the person that God created you to be. Amen. Does everybody see that? Let's talk about north. North is the first of the cardinal directions upon which all the others are based. If you look northward off the end of the North Pole and you go out 430 light years, let me remind you that a light year is the distance that light travels in a year, roughly 6 trillion miles, so it's pretty far out there. If you look northward off the North Pole, straight out the line, 430 light years to the north, you come to the North Star. Astronomers call it Polaris. As it turns out, it's not one star at all, but actually it's three stars. It's a three-star system with one star in the center and two stars orbiting around it. The one star in the center, just for reference, is 1,500 times larger than our sun. But you know, at 430 light years, even something that massive, even a trinary star system can appear to be a very faint star in the northern skies. I believe it's an obvious type of the Godhead or the Trinity. Romans 1.20 says that the invisible attributes of creation can be used to discern God's eternal power and Godhead. You can look to the heavens and you can see the Godhead, and this is one of the examples. You can look to the North Star as a type of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. From a distance, the North Star looks like a faint star about five lengths off the handle of the Big Dipper, also called Ursa Major by astronomers. But if you look closely with the aid of technology, you find that it is not one star, but it is a three-star system collectively called Polaris. I believe the Godhead is similar. God is one God, yet He exists with three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. For thousands of years, navigators in the northern hemisphere 
have used the North Star as a way of fixing their position and navigating from one place to another. Isn't that right? In the same way, we need to heed the dictates of heaven and the wishes of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, to fix our position in Him and find our way to our spiritual destination. Let's read from Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7 in the authorized King James Version. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Amen. Most of you are familiar with that scripture because you center in on the promotion. And I believe you can learn at least two things from this scripture. Number one, your promotion in life and in ministry ultimately come from God, not from man. Amen. How many say amen to that? I'm glad my vision is in God's hands and not the hands of man. Amen. But number two, even more importantly, in my opinion, by omitting the cardinal direction of north, this passage strongly implies that heaven, the abode of God, is somewhere to the north. Let me read it to you again. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, and I'm going to put in my paraphrase, it comes from the north. Because God is the judge and he lives in the north and he puts down one and sets up another. You say, Brother Scott, that's quite a stretch. i got to have some other scripture to back that up. All right, I'm prepared for that. So let's look at some of the other scriptures that point to the north as the abode of God. Psalm 48, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James Version. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Amen. Now it's clear from this scripture and others that there is an earthly Mount Zion and there is also a heavenly Mount Zion. There is an earthly Jerusalem and there is a heavenly New Jerusalem. And both, the Bible says, are situated on the sides of the north. That word sides means the highest elevation or the furthest point. If you were to go to Jerusalem today and look at the city of Jerusalem, it sits on a south to north ridge line, and where Jerusalem is situated is on the highest northern point, the sides of the north. But I say to you that if you travel off the end of the North Pole, and go long enough and far enough, no doubt billions of light years out there somewhere, you will run into planet heaven on the farthest sides of the north. Amen? I know that I know it's out there. I wish I had a spaceship and I could go there. Most people don't read the Bible the way that I do. Amen. Glory to God. Let's read some more. Isaiah 14, verse 12 and 13 in the New King James Version. Now, a little bit of background is in order. This talking about the fall of Satan and the angels that followed him and them subsequently being kicked out of heaven, amen, thrown out of heaven. All right, so keep that in mind. Verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Amen. Right there it is in the scripture. There is an earthly Jerusalem that's on the sides of the north. And there is a heavenly Jerusalem that's also on the farthest sides of the north. Amen. And that's where God's throne is. It's more than just an interesting coincidence that the north star is a type of the Godhead. These scriptures make it plain that planet heaven itself is somewhere to the north where the Father God sits on his throne in the city of New Jerusalem. Can I get an amen? All right, let's talk about the south. When we look to the south, we receive more instruction from the heavens. Unlike the cardinal direction of north, there is no star that aligns with the earth axis that extends to the south. But there is a constellation commonly called the Southern Cross. And if you draw a line from the top of that cross down through the foot of that cross, it points directly to the south celestial pole. So navigators in the southern hemisphere, they can't use the North Star because they can't see it. They use the Southern Cross is their primary fixed point for navigation. Astronomers call this constellation the crux. That's an interesting word. Crux is the Latin word for cross. But the English word for crux is defined as follows. A vital, basic, decisive, or pivotal point. We look to the foot of the cross and we see the most vital, basic, decisive, pivotal point in the history of the universe. Everything that Jesus did on that cross and in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he did to secure a future for us in him. Our whole world, our lives, our vision, all revolve around an axis that aligns with north and south. Listen, without the cross, there would be no vision for us to follow. There would be no hope. There would be no future. Every good thing we have in this life, every future thing we hope for, it all started at the cross. Amen. We look to the north. We align our lives. We align our vision with the dictates of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost and the dictates of heaven. We fix our position in Him so that we can navigate toward our divine destiny, so we can complete our course, so we can run the race that He has set before us. Amen. Everybody with me so far? Let's talk about east and west. Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12 in the New King James Version. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Amen for that. Now let's dig a little deeper here. For as the heavens are high above the earth, the heavens there means the, the abode of the stars. 
So you could say it like this. For as the galaxies are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Now listen, I double checked last night. The farthest known galaxy we can see right now with the aid of technology is a staggering 13.3 billion light years away. Amen. Store that in your memory banks until we come back to it because we got to read verse 12 to sort of pull all this together. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'm telling you, unlike north and south, if you keep walking east, you will never be walking west. If you keep walking west, you will never be walking east. So in that sense, east and west are infinitely separated from one another. So what God is saying there is, I have infinitely removed your transgressions and your sins from you through the body and blood of my son Jesus. Amen. As we gaze at the far-flung galaxies, billions of light years away, we know that his love for us is greater still. As we contemplate east and west, we can see that God has infinitely removed our sins from us through the sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus. Now listen, here's the bottom line. And if he loves us that much, and our sins have been infinitely separated from us, then we know he has a great vision for our lives, and he wants us to succeed in fulfilling that vision. Do you see that? Do you see why all that north, south, east, west stuff is germane? It is relevant. Because it draws you to the infinite God, who's given you a vision that at times may seem like it's too great for you, and God says, it's not too great for you. I made you for it. See what you can be. Start walking down the road that I have for you. And let me mold you and make you and shape you into the person that I called you to be. As we wrap up this series, my prayer has been that the Lord would show each of us his vision for 2020. As individuals, and as a church here at Faith Life Fellowship. I believe that 2020 will be a milestone year that precedes a decade of walking out God's vision for our lives, for our churches, for our nation, and for our world. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Dr. Forrest's message, 2020, the Year of Forward Vision. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at... Faith Life Wilmington.